Welcome back to another season of the UK Virtual School Podcast with me, Sid, the founder of the first online school that dares to be different. If you've heard season one, you'll know that this podcast is for families who home educate and for those looking for an alternative to the current educational system. Now, if you did miss season one, I highly recommend that you go back and have a sneak peek because there are some real gems from that season. I discussed my journey through education in episode one. Episode six is super popular and useful if you're looking at GCSE exams. I even interviewed the teacher that lives in a van in episode number eight. In this season, season two, we've got some brand new interviews with teachers, students and parents from UK Virtual School. UK Virtual School is now in its second year. Join us on a movement to disrupt education as we continue to create an innovative, inclusive and fulfilling alternative for the children who will become the change makers and leaders of tomorrow. Welcome back guys to another amazing season of the UK Virtual School podcast. Cross-cultural fusion the power of online. So in this episode, I am going to be chatting with Hassan, the Arabic teacher from UK Virtual School, who teaches students from year one all the way up to secondary level. Hassan is based in Morocco. He teaches all the way from Morocco. And he's joined me today to talk about cross-cultural work that he has done in Morocco and how we can learn from each other by having an understanding and a better outlook in the way that we find things out about different cultures. So welcome, Hassan. It's great to have you here. Do you want to introduce yourself a little bit? Thank you, Seth, for the invitation. My name is Hassan and I work with the UK Virtual School. I teach Arabic. I've been teaching Arabic to foreigners for about six years now. I live in the southeast of Morocco and my experience teaching Arabic online has been um, fantastic. Uh, So it's a teacher from Morocco teaching kids from the UK. So that's really wonderful. Yeah. And I I think internet has made so many things possible that wouldn't have been possible before. And we can actually get native speakers of a language teach that language, which I think is pretty amazing. Uh, So tell us a little bit about your language skills, because I know you know so many languages. So how many do you actually know? I want you to count with me. So first of all, I speak my native language, which is Tamazight and Moroccan Arabic. Mm -hmm. And I speak classical Arabic, which is slightly different from the Moroccan Arabic, the dialect that we speak here in Morocco. I speak French and English. So that's five in total. Do you want to tell me the difference between Moroccan Arabic and classical Arabic? Um, I would say that classical Arabic is harder to learn than Moroccan Arabic. There are so many adjectives that you cannot find in the Moroccan dialect. And also the conjugation is a little bit different and they have more tenses. There is Nahu and also I'rab, which is totally different that we don't have in the Moroccan Arabic. And also the classical Arabic, it's written for the the Moroccan dialect. It's not written, we just speak it. And we use the Latin alphabet to write the Moroccan Arabic sometimes. So we use either the Arabic script or the Latin letters to chat with each other and message each other. So you said that classical Arabic has certain things and you mentioned two words in Arabic. What are those? So that's Mm Arab. So Arab is just trying to know the function of each word 
so you can pronounce it the appropriate and the right way. Also, Nahu is just the uh, all of the conjugation. And me not being from a language background, like I don't even know what conjugation means. So <laughs> if, if people are listening... Just grammar, then... sorry. So that's just grammar. Grammar, yeah, okay. Grammar. I, f- yeah. I find it so fascinating that even though you've learned English as a second language, your understanding of the grammar in English is probably far better than mine. <laughs> Um, when I speak to a lot of foreigners, I find that their understanding of how tenses are put together and grammar and complex sentences is far, far better than how I learned as a kid. That was me before starting to learn about my Moroccan Arabic, because I've started to learn about the rules when I was mm. going to teach it. So I didn't know how my language worked, kind of. I just speak it. So I don't know the grammar, how to conjugate verbs. But when I started teaching it, that's when I learned about my own language. And that was a fun experience, learning about your own language so you can teach it to others and I think it's the same for you because you just speak English so it's you're not aware of the the grammar or anything else and I don't think I'll be going into teaching languages anytime soon so (laughs) I won't need to learn this stuff and do you just teach English and Arabic or do you teach other languages as well so I taught three languages I taught English first for primary um, kids, different primary schools. That was um, during the college. And after I graduated, I taught uh, Moroccan Arabic for, and also classical Arabic for different foreigners. So the Moroccan Arabic for the people who lived here in Morocco, the foreigners who were living in Morocco and just um, doing volunteering work or just work in general. And some of them, when they achieved the advanced level, they would move to the classical Arabic. Did you ever teach Tamazir? Yes. Oh, yes, of course. I, so four languages. <laughs> yes, of course. Because in some rural areas here in Morocco, they only speak Tamazir. They understand Moroccan Arabic, but they speak Tamazir more. And when you speak with the language of the community, they just love you. And that's why I was teaching uh, Tamazir to the foreigners who were doing uh, volunteering work in rural areas. So what was the very first language that you learned? So that was Moroccan Arabic, then uh, and Tamazir, Moroccan Arabic and Tamazir. Then at school, I learned on the third grade, I started learning French from the very first grade. And before that, uh, I learned classical Arabic. And then English came much later. And English came, uh, yeah, late. That was um, at the beginning of high school. I learned it mainly by watching movies and listening to songs and also learning some of the grammar at school, but mainly watching movies and listening to songs. So when I tell people, they think it's amazing, <laughs> but that's how I learned English. So with the five languages, which one do you find the most challenging? Which one do you think is the most challenging? Maybe French. Because personally, I don't use it that much. And when you don't use the language that much, you might find it a little bit hard to speak it from time to time. I speak English because um, I interact with foreigners who speak English. I interact with them a lot. For my two uh, native languages, I use them when speaking to family members or the community. And for the classical Arabic, I use it also in my daily life. For example, when listening to to the news or reading books. So maybe French, because I don't use it that much, I would say. For someone that doesn't know any of those five languages, which one do mm-hmm. you think would be the hardest one for them to learn? Classical Arabic. You Classical so? Arabic, yes. And I think maybe it's the fifth or the third most hard language to learn, I think. So the kids at UK Virtual School have got a bit of a challenge then. Yes, and uh, it's but they are amazing. They are learning. They are starting to form uh, sentences. So that's exciting when you see that they are learning. You just want to give more. They are going to get what I want them to get. 
too. That's brilliant. So talking about cross-cultural awareness, how do you do that when you are working with foreigners? Is it a bit about learning their culture and them teaching you guys? How, how does it work? So for the foreigners, uh, the foreigners that I taught here in Morocco, I started by teaching them about the Moroccan culture because they are here living in Morocco. So it's very important that they understand the, the culture. During the same time, I learn about their culture. I've learned that you should uh, never judge certain behaviors from different cultures. Even if they look different to you, there isn't a wrong or right behavior in different cultures. They're just different and you should just learn, I think, about the reasons behind how they behave and also learn about their values. I'll give you an example. The foreigners who were serving in my hometown, they would be really mad when they have a meeting with someone and they come late. But when I explain that on their way, they meet the different community members. And in our culture, you have to give time to, to the community members. You cannot just wave and just move on. Now you'll have to stop and talk to them for about five minutes. They would ask you about family, about everything. Then you go on. During your way to the meeting, you would meet three to two people at least. So that's what makes them late for the meetings. And when I explain this to the foreigners, they would feel comfortable a little bit. I'll give you another example, the, the vice versa example. For the kids that I was teaching and also some of the community members, when I'm with the foreigner, usually for the foreigner, they don't shake the hands of everybody. They would just say hi and just stand next to you. And in our culture, that's very rude. I always use the situation as a teaching opportunity where I teach others that this is how they do it in their cultures. They just don't shake hands of everybody they meet. Uh, when I explain the situation, for example, to the community members, they understand and feel comfortable. And sometimes they start just like saying hi and not shaking the hand of everybody they meet. So is it Moroccan culture where they don't shake hands with everyone? So in Moroccan culture, you have mm. to shake the hand of everyone. Uh, for Americans, for example, you just say hi. You don't have to shake the hand of everybody, especially when you meet them over and over and over. The first time, yes, but not every time. Mm. In Moroccan culture, you have to do it almost every time. That's really interesting. And then there's the way that you eat food as well. Yes, of course. So in Moroccan culture, we eat from a shared plate because we are a... Um, collective culture and for Americans they eat from their own place. There are certain eating etiquettes for the Moroccan culture. So when we have the shared plate on the table, you have to eat from your own triangle. You cannot just eat a certain piece of food that you like that is on the other side. You cannot do that. You can ask for it, but you cannot take it from the other person's triangle, I would say. So when you say triangle, do you just mean like, so if you're sat yeah. around a plate, so it's a front bit and the bit in the middle? Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's where you are supposed to eat from. So if you imagine a pizza, it's basically like imagining exactly. a pizza piece. Okay. Yeah. And there's also an order, like the eldest person yes. takes the first bite, right? Yeah, usually eat after the after my dad or my mother. You cannot eat before them. So, and this is out of respect. You just have to wait for them to eat first, and then you start. And it's interesting how a foreigner might not know this, and and then it it might come across really rude, and or vice versa. Yeah. If a foreigner isn't handed the plate, for example, and they'd be like, "Well, I don't want to eat from the same bowl as everyone." So yeah. just little differences, but they make a huge impact on the people and how people feel about each other. So I think a lot of the work that you're doing where you're helping people understand the cultures is really beneficial in kind of helping build communities where people understand 
each other. And it reminds me of eye contact, like the different parts of the world where eye contact is seen as a sign of respect. So in like the West, eye contact is seen as respectful. But in the East and Asia and Africa, it's seen as disrespectful. So it's really interesting how you've got those changes in culture. Yeah, that's totally right. And uh, yeah, you mentioned the, the eye contact, which is uh, a really good uh, example because you should not judge other behaviors from other cultures. You should just learn how to um, understand the certain values behind them. This provides a mutual understanding of each other's cultures. You just understand that it's a different culture. They have a different way of doing things. And that's right. So what interested you in like the Western culture? Was it just when you had tourist visit and you started to find out a bit more about Western culture? Way before that, when watching the movies and from movies, you can see certain behaviors and you're just like get really interested by those behaviors and you want just to learn more. I think what I learned from interacting with different people from different backgrounds is being understanding and never judge anyone. This, this is a very good point that I developed, I think. This is a good skill that I've developed, understanding people and that they have different ways of doing things and that we should just respect each other, support each other. And isn't it amazing that at UK Virtual School, you can have students from literally all over the world come together and they, they find out more about each other and they learn about each other's culture, where this would not have been possible if we didn't have internet. Yeah, of course. You. This would not have been possible if there was no internet. I think they would have to move to another country in order to live the experience and just know about other cultures. And they will have to go through different uh, shocks, culture shocks, I would say. But with the UK virtual school, it's possible. And from time to time, I explain my cultures to the kids. They would ask me questions. Do you do this in your own country? Do you do this in your culture? How is it? I help them develop an understanding of different cultures and just having the skill of understanding other people. I think that's really important. And it's really important for the kids to realize that different doesn't mean wrong or different doesn't mean that it's odd. It's just a different way of looking at things and living life. It's so useful for them to learn that from a young age as well. I think as adults, we will tend to travel and, and meet people from different places. But at that point, it's too late, I think. We're ingrained in our own culture and then we can't help but make judgments. I totally agree with you. This is a really good chance for them to learn about uh, different cultures from an early age, which helps them just develop a mutual understanding kind of with different people from different countries. And we've started worldviews where we are looking at a different country each month. So I know in September, the kids looked at South Africa. They learned about the history, the geography, the culture of South Africa. Then they explored Egypt and then Greece going to be doing China in January. So they're going through different countries and we're going to be doing Morocco at some point in the future. But the exciting thing is we're also going to be doing a trip to Morocco in the future. That's perfect. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to doing our first UK virtual school residential trip. And we've picked Morocco because then Hassan can help us to arrange for Morocco's end and what the kids will be doing and what we will be organizing there. I cannot wait to meet the kids and just help organize um, the trip. What do you think is going to be the biggest shock to people's system? If someone from the West wants to move to Morocco, 
Where are the big cultural differences, do you think? Uh, there is the privacy. <laughs> privacy when people, for example, here, I grew up with my family and we don't uh, have a personal room, I would say. I don't have a personal room. I grew up with my siblings and we sleep in the same room. And when our parents, for example, want to come in, they would just open the door and come in. And this is different in other cultures where people have to knock and ask for permission before going in. So this is a cultural difference. Another one, I think, is personal space. Personal space is very interesting. Here in Morocco, we don't have personal space and where we tap each other on the shoulder and just be kind of touchy, I would say. For example, in other cultures, it's different. You cannot just sit next to them because they think it's, it's you are invading their space. And the food as well, I think the food and the eating etiquettes, that's different, as well as, I would say, clothes. So the way we wear clothes and the type of clothes is different from the West. So people coming here to Morocco, especially coming to rural areas, they need to think about these things. If they don't want to get a lot of attention, they should wear something that is close to the culture. I would say, if not, they would get a lot of attention because you can see that they don't belong to the culture. Of course, they don't have to do this if they are tourists or just staying for a very short time. But if you want to integrate with the community and stay longer, you have to think about the cultural differences and how to adapt. These are some of the cultural differences, punctuality as well. Yeah, there's quite a lot there, but I'm assuming then in more of the cities where you have a lot of tourists they have adopted a lot of the western culture as well in the cities so there exactly. isn't that much of a contrast yeah exactly there isn't much of uh, a contrast in big cities so mm. i'm just i was talking about uh, rural areas but in the big cities yeah. you should be fine you should be fine maybe some of the cultural differences that would be different to you is just like the personal space the punctuality eating etiquette are you interested in learning more about uh, different cultures because you know a bit about the western cultures you know about morocco and i'm assuming most of north african culture is similar what other cultures kind of really intrigue you i would say asian cultures I'm really interested to learn more about them because I haven't interacted with so many people from Asia. So it would be really interesting knowing about their traditions, their cultures. Um, so yeah, I love learning about languages. It's it's I find it very interesting and sometimes it's eye-opening, I would say. Because we take some, some of the things for granted and we behave in a certain way, thinking it's the right way when it's not. Just like that's how you grow up, but it doesn't mean you are right. For example, the way you behave is right. You just need to look at different cultures to see that they are different, but there isn't a right culture or a wrong culture. What about Spanish? You don't know any Spanish, right? I know some words, <laughs> but it would be interesting learning Spanish. Oh, yeah, it's need- on my list. It's on my list. You need to go to Elizabeth's lessons then. Yeah, I would love to go to Elizabeth's lessons so I can <laughs> learn. <laughs> and then what about in terms of other African cultures? Because Africa is huge. Is there any particular culture in Africa that you kind of uh, are really intrigued by? I would say all of the other cultures. <laughs> so I want to learn about all cultures if possible because they are really interesting. Maybe some of the cultures in Africa are similar because we are in kind of on the same continent, but also mm. there are differences. So it would be fun to, I, I think that the world views class, it's it's very interesting. It's um, People should go and just like attend that class all the time, because I wish I can attend it myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
because you're teaching at some of those times, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, I do. So talk to me about the Amazigh culture and the difference between Amazigh and Moroccan for people who don't know the difference. There are a little bit two different dialects. I think the grammar, the conjugation is a little bit similar, but it's different. And also there are three types of Tamazigh. There is Tamazigh, there is Tarifit, and there is Tashlhit. You can write it in Arabic or just Latin letters, but the script they use is called Tifinagh. So they are, I would say, the native uh, uh, inhabitants of Morocco, and they used to be nomads. They moved from one place to another. Do you have any specific questions about them? Just explaining that they were the North African native people, right? And the culture of the Amazigh people is slightly different from the Arabian culture that came in and kind of took over Morocco and Algeria and places. So how would you describe the differences between those two cultures, like the Arab culture that now Morocco has, but also still has the Amazigh culture in there, right? Yeah, there are there are different behaviors, I would say. Just um, I'm trying to think because myself, I grew up in an Amazigh culture, but also the Moroccan Arabic is here in my hometown. So it's mm-hmm. both weddings, for example, it's different. It's different. For example, it used to last for seven days and they would chat in circles. And it's it's very interesting. Also, the clothes they wear are different from people living in cities, I would say, who speak only the Moroccan Arabic. And also there were tattoos, a lot of tattoos in the Amazigh Mm. culture. You can find women where they have tattoos on their chin, on their forehead, on their hands, and they indicate different things for example that the woman belonged to a certain tribe that she is uh, she has never been married and etc etc and it's interesting how those cultures are still intact like you still see a lot of the weddings are very similar to how they were run maybe hundreds of years ago because the amazigh culture is a very very old culture and they found um, the oldest skeleton in morocco I can't remember the town uh, that it was found in, but the oldest human they have found in Morocco. Yeah, I remember. I remember that discovery. I forgot where exactly, but I'm glad that we are the first to have you here. (laughs) (laughs) The human race. Yeah, well, they do say that humans came from Africa, and Morocco is in Africa, so it's (laughs) it's not really uh, a surprise that that's the oldest skeleton found there. Yeah, I agree. (laughs) But it's so fascinating learning about Morocco. And I'm sure the kids find it really interesting to be able to ask you these questions. And I think this is where the beauty of online is, where we can actually get native speakers to work with the kids and to share their culture and to share their insight. Because this would not be possible if we had a physical building and we had to get teachers in, we'd have to get local teachers in who are living in the same town and city. I think being online gives so many different opportunities to kids. And it opens up so many interesting doors as well. So we're very lucky to have you, Hassan, as our Arabic teacher. The kids love you. I'm and- proud to be part of the UK Virtual School team. It's uh, it's very interesting. It's uh, an exciting experience. And I cannot wait to just make a difference with the UK Virtual School. And we look forward to coming to Morocco at some point in the future. Yeah, you are very welcome here. 
<laughs> so thank you guys for listening to the UK Virtual School podcast. This was myself, Sid and Hassan talking about cross-cultural fusion and how being online makes it so much more interesting, accessible and how we can do all sorts of things which would not otherwise be possible. If you want to find out more about the Arabic course, you can go to our website at www.ukvirtualschool.com. And I'll see you soon. Bye, everyone. Assalamu Thank you for listening in to the UK Virtual School podcast. We hope you took lots of value from this podcast. And if you did, please remember to like and subscribe and to share what you've learned with other families. Now, if you want to find out more about UK Virtual School, go to our website, ukvirtualschool.co.uk. Or you can join our page or Facebook group, UK Virtual School. We hope that your home education journey is an exciting one. And if you're right at the beginning of starting out, do reach out to us and ask us for support. If you're considering joining us, why not book a Zoom meeting with me so we can explore and discuss options for your family. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Virtual School podcast and I'll see you next time.